Welcome back. I am Sophia Gautier. And I'm Graham Offrich. We are pediatricians and hosts of this podcast, Clinicians, Kids, and the Changing Climate. Today, we are addressing climate change and mental health, specifically answering the question, what are the psychological impacts of climate change on pediatric mental health? So the impacts of climate on mental health can be divided into the direct effects and then the awareness of climate. So what do you mean by the direct effects? So as discussed in our last episode, climate change is linked with increasing incidents of extreme weather events, whether that includes storms like hurricanes and their accompanying flooding, or extreme heat events that contribute to longer and more severe wildfire seasons. All of this can disrupt basic systems and create things like housing, utility, and food instability. In more severe cases, people can lose their homes entirely and become displaced. Displacement as a result of natural disasters is classified as an adverse childhood event, or an ACE. These are known to have lasting mental health impacts, negatively impacting school learning and behavior. Spikes in PTSD, depression, and anxiety occur following climate events, and this should come as no surprise. So what about substance use? It's a really good question. So the link between climate disasters and substance use is unclear, but it's likely thought to be analogous to that between general trauma and substance use. So I've read some interesting literature on the links between exposure to heat waves and aggression. Yeah, so most of this data exists in the adult literature, but there is correlative data to suggest that increases in ambient temperature, especially above certain thresholds, is linked with increases in externalizing behaviors such as aggression. There's also an association between heat waves and increases in ED visits for mental health conditions, national suicide rates, as well as deaths due to unintentional and intentional injuries for both adults and adolescents aged 15 to 18. Wow. So do we know why these associations exist? Honestly, not really. There are some theories out there, but it's a little bit beyond the scope of this podcast. So we've talked about the direct impacts of climate events on mental health. Uh, what about children with pre-existing mental health disorders? So interestingly, some antipsychotics affect the body's thermoregulation abilities, putting children at increased risk of hyperthermia in extreme heat events. So which medication should we know about? So anticholinergic antipsychotic medications such as olanzapine, also known as Zyprexa, or catiapine, brand name Seroquel, can interfere with thermoregulation by inhibiting sweating. Both of those drugs, as well as many other antipsychotics like haloperidol and aripiprazole, also have antidopaminergic activity, which can increase the body's temperature set point. Some medications can also increase the risk of dehydration by reducing thirst, such as SSRIs, clonidine, carbamazepine, and valproic acid. This sounds like a good intervention point for educating our parents about proactively preventing heat-related illnesses. Additionally, the good and bad thing about climate and kids is that the younger generation is a little bit more aware of and concerned about climate change than adults. This may make them more receptive to anticipatory guidance, but also more at risk to anxiety about climate change. I've heard a lot of terms regarding this concept, echophobia, echo-anxiety, ecological grief, and climate distress. Have you heard of the term solastalgia? Solastalgia? No, never. So solastalgia was coined by an Australian philosopher named Glenn Albrecht, and it comes from the Latin word for solace and the Greek root for pain. And this refers to the type of homesickness that we feel when the world around us or our home is changing. Are people studying solastalgia? 
So recently, a group of researchers set out to study soulstalgia in young people. They conducted a survey of 10,000 young people across 10 different nations. They found that more than 59% of participants globally were very or extremely worried about the impacts of climate change, and 84% were at least moderately worried. Hmm. How can we as pediatricians help kids cope with eco-anxiety? I think the younger generation is already really good at problem-focused coping. So engaging in actions like eating less meat, promoting sustainable behaviors in school and communities, and building movements to divest from fossil fuels. What is the data behind problem-based coping? So there isn't too much research on mental health and climate-specific advocacy, but we do know that activism can prevent feelings of helplessness and increase a sense of empowerment. However, it can cause stress as well due to potential public criticism, feelings of burnout when change is slow to enact. However, in general, higher pro-environmental behavior is associated with greater well-being, possibly because it satisfies basic psychological needs like autonomy and competence and relatedness. Okay, so what can we do? So in the clinical setting, I think we as pediatricians can help normalize young people's eco-anxiety and avoid pathologizing it unless, of course, it meets criteria for known mental health disorders. And on that note, in the wake of natural disasters, we really should be cognizant of screening for things like depression and PTSD and know how to offer local mental health resources. We'll talk more about this in the last episode, but we can, as a field, continue to validate concerns by listening to the younger generation and taking their ideas into account and improving the way our systems interact with the environment. And that is the absolute perfect primer for our last episode. So join us as we wrap up the podcast and talk about healthcare as an industry and climate. This podcast was researched and written by myself, Dr. Sophia Gauthier. A massive thank you to my friend and co-host, Dr. Graham Offridge. The podcast was produced by the fantastic audio engineers at the University of Texas at Austin Liberal Arts Instructional Technology Services team with funding via a pediatric medical education grant and instructional support from the Medical Education Fellowship at the University of Texas Dell Medical School.